Hey, welcome to Lakeview Sermon of the Week. We're so grateful to have you here, and we hope you enjoyed today's message. I'm just, uh, just tired of playing games with the devil. Um, how far is he going to have to push us in a corner before we get ready to fight back? And um, it's time to drop that back foot and just and square your shoulders up and go ahead and uh, embrace the new thing that God has for you. And this is what I'm learning. So the Lord had to do some things in me. Um, thank you for your prayers. Um, I left the men's retreat Friday night at 1030 and sick, man. And the Lord, uh, I was like, oh, this is not good. Uh, and the guys went and had a good time. And I, and I, so I felt, you know, kind of whatever about it. And then, uh, and then General Emily came up here Sunday. <laughs> I thought, and I said, uh, man, the general has showed up, and uh, so, wow, I was like, man, I'm glad I was sick. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But the Lord was trying to do something. I don't don't think the Lord causes people to go get sick. He's not into that, but I do think he will redeem anything if we'll... And what we've got to realize is that God will, and my brother Clarence over here, he was the guy, he called me up, and I was like, man, every time I try to push to, because I, I don't like sitting around, okay? Uh, I wouldn't say I'm a busybody, because that's got a bad connotation, but I'm a busybody. Y'all see me during worship? I don't get no seat, right? I'm working the lobby, I'm in the parking lot, don't pin me down. I'm a free man. You know what I'm saying? I don't know what I would do if I ever had to go to jail for the Lord. I just, I think I could tunnel my way out by just doing this. And then there'd be a gap that would just go and I'd just walk to China or something. Or Australia. I think that's down under. But anyway, um, so that's just my personalities. But I think when the Lord is trying to get an urgent message to you, and you won't stop long enough to listen to him. He'll tell you to you know, sit your hind end down. I got some things I got to tell you. Well, Clarence said, I said, man, every time I push, I got up. This is how pitiful it was. Um, are you in a hurry tonight? If you are, we leave the doors open. But this could take me a little bit longer, but it's urgent. And it's a word from the Lord. I really feel that in my heart. Um, but I got up and I was like, you know what? I'm going to show this thing. I'm going to load the dishwasher. I'm going to unload the dishwasher. I'm going to load the dishwasher. And then I'm going to do something else. And I got up and I loaded that dishwasher. Or unloaded it. And then I loaded it. And I was like, oh, man, I'm tired. <laughs> it wore me out. I'm thinking, what is going on here? And so I was so busy fighting it, um, not saying you should receive things, I'm not saying that, but hear, hear my heart. I was so busy trying to go to war with something that I couldn't see the thing that God was actually trying to show me, show and do. And God knew the where my heart was at that moment, I couldn't have received that revelation unless I was at home by myself while everybody else was having all the fun at church. Okay, Um, because that's a pastor anointing. A pastor anointing, he wants to be where the sheep are, man. And if he's sidelined and then the sheep are having all the fun, man, that's hard to deal with. But the Lord will transition you from one season to another season, and it's awkward to be transitioned into the new thing that God wants to do in you when you still have the old mindset and grid that you're looking through, that you're perceiving everything through. And so the Lord had spoke some truths to me about a year ago, and he, spoke, he just spoke this word to me, and it messed me up. 
And here's what I learned is, is that God can give you a word and you can receive it here. But receiving it and grabbing it and owning it and pulling it in and saying that's mine and owning it is a totally different thing. Because most of us, when we get a word from God, it so blows us away because of how undeserving we are. Right? So, so when God gives us something that blows our minds, we're like, I can't receive that. Do you know who I am? This is the Moses battle, right? It's like, oh, I can't go back and do that. I, I got all this stuff going on. And so what happens is, is cloaked in humility is this false humility thing that doesn't agree with the thing that God has said. <sighs> Head on this thing on there, right? It's, it's work. Okay, it is working. Praise God. So when God says something that blows your mind, the most humble response would be like, you know better than me, yes. What I was doing was, oh God, no. I'm way too humble to receive what you say is truth. And so we operate in this realm of We almost operate in a realm of playtime. And we run around in these circles where we're just like throwing around prophetic words on each other and we're slapping and giving each other high fives. But do we ever receive that thing as if it was a thing that God had said and then say, whoa, no, that's what God said. And receive that thing and actually grab that word, snatch that word and say, that's mine. And if you haven't dealt with your insecurities, you won't snatch that word. It'll come down. It'll fall right in front of you. And you won't grab it because you'll think that you're not worthy enough to get that thing. I love that story. Oh, man, I've got so much to say. Oh, my Lord. Okay. Um, I love the story in the scriptures where the man with the withered hand, God says, stretch that thing forth. Man, I can't stretch this thing. It's withered. I said, I didn't say what it looked like. I told you to put it forth. See, we're not wanting to present God things because we don't like what it looks like. But God didn't ask what it looked like. He just said, put the thing forth. And we're so busy trying to put makeup on our withered parts and trying to parade around like we're something spiritual and go to every service all over the country And act like we're, you know, going for it. And we still ain't received the revelation or the word or the identity that God said that we were at the very first time that we got it. So we're so confused because now we're juggling so many words. We don't know which one was God's, which one was what. And so we stay in a cycle of this whirlwind of confusion and just keep ourselves busy where we never have to still ourselves and hear it from the king himself. So I'm sitting there, and I said, okay, I'm going to take Brother Clarence's advice. I'm going to sit here and say, God, what are you trying to say to me? And he begins to bring up things that he spoke into my life about a year ago. That God told me that I was going to start to begin to move into more of an apostolic anointing. And that I was going to move into being a spiritual father for many men. And it's amen, but when I heard it, I go, oh, God. I can't move. I'm for a magnet, man. (laughs) Nazareth, anything good come from MC? Okay, oh, besides Casey, can anything good besides Casey Cottrell come from Magnet Cove? And, and you just wrestle with these things. 
And the Lord is trying to get you to, to know who he's calling you to be. And to step into your calling. And he's not asking you to do an evaluation of what you think of yourself. So I just hid that thing. I didn't tell nobody. This ain't nothing to nobody. I said, oh, that was probably bad lasagna anyway. That was Dale's spaghetti or whatever. And uh, and then remember when we were having those, um, I'm just putting all my business out there. But that's okay. It's just what it is. I, I just want to help you. I want to help you to agree with what God says about you. And we were sitting there and um, remember when we were doing those, uh, it was deacon-led prayer. I don't remember. Was it Sunday nights? Sunday nights we were doing the deacon-led prayer. And uh, I think it was at the end of one of those. And we're sitting there praying, and I, and I didn't tell nobody about this. And uh, somebody thought they was going to lay hands on me and pray over me. And uh, I'm not going to name any names, uh, but Cheryl Louise Bats. <laughs> and then went and spoke that out to everybody. And I hadn't told nobody that. This might not be bad lasagna. This might be the Lord doing something. About that same time, I said, well, I just, if God wants to do it, he'll do it. And that was my level of receiving that word. Then about the same time, another brother of mine reaches out. Older than me, more mature, more seasoned, and said, Hey, I ain't said nothing to nobody. Hey, I want you to be my spiritual father. I said, I give him the thumbs up, a mode click deal. You know, not the thumb, but when you hold the message and then uh, options come up, it was that deal. Y'all know what I'm talking. You know when somebody does you like that, you said, you're either busy or you don't care what I'm telling you right now. Is that just, okay. Now you know if I, oh my gosh. Oh. I'm revealing all tonight. And so it's just like, man, Lord, I don't even know what the, any of this stuff means. I'm, I'm just, Whatever. And so these things that happened, and so I'm sitting there in my recliner, can't go to church. I'm just sick, trying to heal up. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, all right. Lord starts bringing it all up, starts stirring it up in me again. And he just starts dealing with me. He's like, when are you going to step into the thing I called you to? When are you going to receive it? When are you going to believe it? I just said, Lord, you know, have you ever done this? Who am I? Now, here's the problem with that. It means you don't really know who you are. <laughs> you know, it sounds good, right? Who am I? Oh, look how humble. It's like, no, the king is trying to tell you who you, who you are. <laughs> like, and, and all these things are cloaked in like a humility, but they're not. They're damaging. And here's how damaging it is. So I called my friend, who I'd given the thumbs up deal a year ago. I said, hey, man. I said, uh, here's what God's saying to my heart. Here's what he's doing to me. And guess what that friend did? Brought up. Well, you know, a year ago, <laughs> I sent him. I said, I, uh, I said, that's why I'm calling you. And so I'm going to say yes to you. That I'm going to be secure enough in myself that I'm not going to be so insecure that I can't guide or lead because it's really got nothing to do with me. It's about the grace of God that's on my life anyway. And I'm going to quit running it through the grid of who I am or if I'm qualified. It's just what the king says. And so I said, all right, Lord, and I just wept. 
And I, Monday, I just wept. And I just laid my heart out, and I said, God, I'm, yes. And that's what the Lord spoke to me. He said, I'm not telling you to figure it out. He said, all I'm telling you is to give me your yes. He said, give me your yes and just receive what I say. And quit trying to put your own stipulations or try to prepare yourself for something that only I can prepare you for. And I think what happens sometimes, again, I think it's cloaked in humility. It means well. But when we get the word from the Lord, we would try to prepare ourselves and elevate ourselves to be good enough to receive the word. So we hear the word and then we do a bunch of self-help and a bunch of self-work. And we never quite get to that bar, so we never accomplish the purposes of God for our life. And we never step into the thing. But God doesn't give the word to set this bar so that you elevate yourself. He gives you the word because within that word itself is the power to elevate you by his grace if you just receive it. That the power of God is in the word and in the thing that he's directly saying to you. And that if you will just receive that and agree and just do yes and amen, then that thing will have the power within it to bring you to the place to where God's calling you to. So I've been learning. I've been asking God some, some crazy things. And this is something I want, I want everybody in here to do at some point. Maybe tonight. Maybe now. I'd rather you listen to me for a little bit longer. But maybe at the end we can do it together. But ask the Lord. This messed me up. God told me this. Oh, my gosh. Kevin knows about this. We Ask the Lord one time when you're by yourself with him. Or in a frame of mind you can... Say, Lord, what do you think about me? <laughs> Blow your mind. I'll tell you this. He won't say what you think he's going to say. And you're just like, oh, my gosh. God. And, he, and what it does is it postures your heart to, one, to hear what God would say about you. But then it also positions you to learn what it is to receive the thing that he's saying about you. So what I'm learning is, is that when I ask God, God, what do you think about me? And he speaks it. Everything within me wants to cringe and talk about of what he's thinking about me. And instead of doing that, say, oh, Lord, I'll receive it and I'll walk in it. So I asked him, I said, Lord, what do you? What do you think about me? And I do it. I don't do it all the time, but I do it sometimes, just just to hear his heart. So he'd speak things like, "You're a mighty warrior." I'm like, I'm talking about. I mean, it's not much going on here. Not much going on. And. And I almost couldn't receive it. And so then baptism Sunday, I get baptized. And now crazy prayer ladies are back here at the stairwell. And I said, I'm going to have to get some of that too. So I just had somebody baptize me and I went down through there. And they laid hands on me and you know what they said? Mighty warrior. And I said, oh my goodness. And uh, I'm just like, what is going on here? It's like the twilight zone. It's like everywhere it just keeps popping up. And so the Lord is just trying to position this body. And I'm not telling you this to like exalt myself. I'm telling you this so that you begin to step into these conversations with the Lord. I'm trying to give you some handles so you can get free in your life. And you don't have to depend upon a church service or a preacher to tell you who you are or what the Bible says about you and how you ought to be. That's good stuff. I love it. I hope you keep coming because I keep wanting to tell you things like that. But you've got to cultivate an ear and a life. Do you know what the saints are for? Do you know what the apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, and evangelists are for? They're to equip the saints so that they would know how to apostle and how to prophet and how to, how to do all that. Like, like it's an equipping center. 
It's a center to where everybody gets to play and everybody's supposed to play. But we've been so much in these mind frames of this kind of stale religion or these kind of like pastor-led realities where we like, look how the chairs are facing. Are they facing to a bunch of people? And what is this called? A stage. I mean, we're not far off from a Branson show. I mean, they might be a little more talented, but... Hey, I'm speaking facts right here. And then we create these kind of realities that aren't organic and that don't include others, and we create these things and these structures to... And it's like, and then we look at the world and like, why is the world like it is? And we have this like sleeping giant that is the church that needs to be released onto this earth and needs to be moving in power and anointing and truth and humility and all these things. And until we move as a body like that, you're not going to see any changes in anything. And this is the thing that God is moving us toward. But you can't move towards that thing unless you know what he said you are. So it's a learning to position our hearts and to position ourselves to know who we are. So that when we get in a setting with other people, we're actually help to them. Because we're not so insecure, we're tearing everybody else apart. Because we're so insecure, we don't even know who we are. So we spend our time in our insecurity just tearing everybody else down. And criticizing and being critical and bitter and everything else. And so it's like the Lord would say, why don't you ask me? I told him, I'm no respecter of persons. Why don't you come near and say, Jesus, what do you think about me? (laughs) Change your life. And then when you start learning to not argue with him about what he says, and you just start saying, okay. See, see, that's the thing about receiving Jesus as king. See, what, what we know is democracy on some level. But in the ancient times, all they knew was monarchy. And so the king decreed a thing, and you know what the people did when the king decreed a thing? They did everything they could to make it possible and make it happen. Um, Jesus is a king. <laughs> okay. uh, you're not going to vote him out every four years or, or rally a constituency to tell Jesus to leave his throne. Like He's just not going to do it. The king's rage and the nation's plot in vain, and the, the Lord laughs at them. <laughs> he laughs. And what he laughs at, we argue about. Why? Because we're on this plane. God's saying, why don't you get on this plane? He's trying to move us into something far more powerful. Far more, far more significant. So as Jesus is the king, the reason why you have to receive him as king is not because he just likes being in charge. He doesn't lead like that. Like, Jesus is like, I'm in charge. Where's the feet I can wash, right? Like, he's not that guy. But why would you receive him as king? Because if you don't receive him as king, when he says something to you, it could be second important. Third important, fourth important, fifth important. And the body never moves. Why? Because they've not received him as king. There's a hundred other voices that move us. And then the king, we just, then we reduce him down to a few little positive scriptures that make us feel good. And then we just quote those to us to kind of do a little self-medication when the king wants to actually speak to us face-to-face and begin to tell us things about ourselves and begin to bring us into healing and begin to bring us into being renewed and begin to being changed and to actually step into our anointings and step into our callings. Do you realize that God had a mission before he had a people? 
Y'all don't like that, I know. Y'all think God baptized the church with the Holy Ghost and then said, oh, I better create a mission. Uh, disciple all nations. <laughs> no, he had a mission, so that's why he birthed the church. So everybody here has a purpose. You have a mission before you were even put on this planet. Oh, you still don't believe me. Okay. All right, let's go to one we like. Second Corinthians, no, 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 let's do this. Ephesians 2, 8, we all love this one, right? For by grace you're saved, not of works, so anyone should boast. And it goes on to talk about how we were created unto good works, that we're his workmanship, created for good works. But then if you read that next part, it says that we're created beforehand. So guess what he did? He created the good works, the mission, and then created you as the solution to walk in the thing. So you're still clamoring for purpose. And God said, I had that, all, I had that before I made you. You're so full of purpose, like that's why you come on the earth. You say, well, that's hard for me to believe. Okay, all right, let's, we're going eighth grade health. Can we be mature? Eighth grade health. Okay, let's read some scripture, and then we'll do eighth grade health. <laughs> We're going to get there. No, no, it's, it's pertinent. It's not me clamoring for attention or being silly. Like, like this, is, this is like you got to get this, okay? All right, Mark chapter 4. Let's just, let's just jump in. And there's something so sweet about this parable. It's a parable of the sower. And Jesus says about this one, I think it's in Matthew 13. He says, like, if you don't get this one, it's the key to understanding all the others. Like, like there's something so significant about this. Mark chapter 4, verse 1. And again, he began to teach by the lake. Such a large crowd gathered around him that he got into the boat on the lake and sat there a while, and the whole crowd was on the shore by the lake. He taught them many things in parables, and in his teaching said to them, Listen, a sower went out to sow. And he sowed some seed. The seed fell along the path. And birds came and devoured it. And the other seed fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil. It sprang up at once because the soil was not deep. When the sun came up, it was scorched because it did not have sufficient root. That's why it's more important than what's below than what's above. The sun came up, it was scorched because it did not have sufficient root, it withered. Verse 7, among other seed fell, our seed fell among the thorns, and they grew up and choked it. And it did not produce grain. But the other seed fell on good soil and produced grain, sprouting and growing. Some yielded 30 times as much some 60, and some 100 times. And he said, whoever has ears to hear had better listen. Look to your neighbor and say, neighbor, you better listen. Why? Why? Because teacher Jesus is talking? No, King Jesus is talking. See what I'm saying? Okay. Now, get this. you got to love the honesty of the disciples, right? When he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. And he said to them, The secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to those outside, everything is in parables. So although they may look but not so though they may look but not see, and although they may hear, they may not understand. So they may not repent and be forgiven. Isn't that odd? Verse 13. He said to them, do you not understand this parable? Then how will you understand any parable? The sower sows the word. And these are the ones on the path 
where the word is sown. Get this. Whenever they hear, immediately who? And how quick? Immediately Satan comes and snatches the words that was sown in them. Immediately. He snatches the word. So if a word goes out and I'm too insecure to grab it, if I've come into the church to think I'm coming to hear another sermon and I tune myself out and create a posture and the prophetic word goes out and I don't grab it immediately the bird who is Satan why is Satan full of more word than us what does Satan's bird belly look like in the spirit he probably looks like what's a bird that's got a you know a pigeon you know (laughs) you know what I'm saying you're trying to get what I'm saying that Satan is full of your destiny that God is trying to speak your destiny into your soil and if you don't snatch it immediately Mm. so notice the word comes out of one mouth and it goes into another so God is trying to bring us into this prophetic reality and speak who we are to us and when we don't grab it Satan gobbles it up Satan's full of people's destinies. But there's something so cool about God is he just keeps sowing seed, you know. You know, he's wondering, what's the seed on the wayside anyway? Um, I grew up helping my parents. Um, we had a big garden in Arkadelphia. And you didn't just throw seed by the wayside. <laughs> like, man, you tilled, you tilled that ground up. And you, I mean, you... It was right. It was the right depth. It was the, I mean, you worked that thing. In ancient times, what they would do is they would throw a bunch of seed out. And then they would till the field. And that would take the seed that was underneath and bring it down to the place where it would begin to be cultivated, begin to germinate and to grow. So the seed they're talking about is some that just got spilled at the side that got outside of the parameters of the garden. That was the one Satan could get. Why? Because the soul didn't say, oh, that's mine. So what the Lord was showing me is my own insecurities were keeping me putting my hands in my pocket. And when I would get a word from the king, if I didn't feel I was up to it, I wouldn't snatch it. But guess who did for a year? Guess who did for a year? Belly full of it. You know what this word seed is? Okay, back to eighth grade health so we can kind of really make it weird. The word seed in the Greek, you know what it is? Sperma. Yeah. So God uses this word to say, it's not just seed that's going out. It's seed encoded with your divine DNA. 
It's seed coded with your divine DNA. And when you're not in a position to be humble enough to receive and agree with what God has said, you end up forfeiting your DNA, settling with your own DNA, and Satan comes and grabs the seed before it gets sown. Think about how you got here. Not in that detail, but think about it. All right, eighth grade health. Come on, we can be mature, not giggle and elbow each other. No promises. I can believe that. So a million, think about this, 150 million sperm cells. God says, nope, 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 nope. 300 million times before he says, And you're still wondering if he even wants you here or not. Man, it took me a long time to get a clap out of y'all. I've been preaching my heart out. My goodness. No, I'm serious. I'm not trying to be like, I'm, I'm trying to just get you to get it. He said no three million times. <laughs> and then said, yeah, you're the one. You'll do. And when he made you, he wasn't upset about it. He was happy. And some of you need to ask God because you have some things on you, right? Because some of you, maybe you had parents and, hey, dude, it's stressful having a kid. As a parent, you say some crazy things over that womb, you know? Maybe some of you started like that. But I want to tell you something. Before anybody could ever say anything, King Jesus said, Yes, I approve. Yes, I approve. And he wasn't just okay with it. He said, man, I like that. I like that. So some of you, close your eyes with me. You're a little weird. It's okay. So I want you to see Jesus. In one hand, he's got the seed. In the other hand, he's got an egg. And I want you to ask him. Say, Jesus, are you happy to make me? And let him speak to you. And he says, yes. I'm very happy. Now join your hands to his and say, I agree. And then put it together. And that's you. God, we break off every spirit of rejection. Every word spoken over us in the womb. We just bind and cancel it. And we receive what you said. Which is... This is the one I fearfully and wonderfully made. This is the one I knitted, crafted. I chose in my mother's womb. So, Lord, we come out of agreement with wondering why we're here. We come out of agreement being disappointed that we were born. And we agree with you and say, God, I'm happy that I'm here. I'm glad you made me. So, Lord, speak to me. And let your thoughts define me, not my own. Jesus' name. Amen. It's helpful. Redeems everything. Your origin was God's idea. I know it was messed up, but Jesus was messed up. Jesus was conceived out of wedlock. It's like, Father, couldn't you have waited till Joseph got around to? Nope. On the king's time. 
now. And a 13-year-old Jewish teenager said, yes. Yeah. Be it unto you what you've spoke to me. She let Jesus go, yes. And stepped into that thing. Cost her. Cost her. But man, when you get the king on the inside of you, what what cost? Sacrifice? What? It's like, just pitiful right it's like somebody tell me one time man I taped the Super Bowl to be at service you know back when we had Sunday night services taped the Super Bowl to be in here with you and I was like am I supposed to be honored it's the king your petty pursuits your petty little sacrifice it's the king Lay it down. What is wrong with you? What is wrong? It's the king. It's the king. What is the response to a king? <laughs> think, it, think of the audacity we have, and thank God he's so kind and patient. But any king in the world, think if you treated him the way you treat God. Uh, I'll tell you what, go to Saudi Arabia and you say no to a Muslim prince in his court and see what he does to you. But yet we stand in the divine counsel of God with all the seraphim and everybody else. Eh. I don't feel like it. I got a headache today. They went off on me, so I ain't going to be. When I get around to it, And it shows where our allegiance is. And it shows whose seed we actually have received. Because what did Satan do in the throne? Oh, come on. You got one time to worship me. One time. Come on. It's just one. And that's what pride does. It makes you forget where you're actually at. And who you actually are. So the seed is encoded with resurrection life. This is why Jesus dies on a cross and gets thrown into a cave. And he tells us in John 12, unless a seed of wheat, unless a grain of wheat goes into the ground and dies, it's just going to bite alone. But if it dies, it produces much fruit. So Jesus, as the word of God, gets murdered on a cross, thrown into a grave, and three days later, pops up. So if we believe the word, the encoded DNA of God, and we receive that word, what's going to sprout up? Resurrection Jesus life. And so what's the best soil? The one that just grabs it. Oh, I'll take that. I'll take that. And think if every service we're on the edge of our seat to say, where's mine? Where's mine? Not sit back and take notes that we're never going to read again, but and fill up journals so we feel better about ourselves. Oh, sorry. I know I just bashed some hearts right there, but I'm just <laughs> telling you, be real with yourself. But what if we were on the edge of our seat saying, I don't want it on paper. i got to have it on my heart. So God, I'm so, what if we were all on the edge of our seat so desperate for the word of the Lord? I mean, what would happen? I think we'd have a church full of people who knew who they were. Because the king's DNA, the king's DNA, what we're receiving. 
So if it doesn't look like the king, then you got a different seed being planted in you. Because you can't separate the word from the genetic code of who gave it. Hardest thing about the last day deception, you know what it's going to be? What the scripture says, here's the hardest things. The love of many will grow cold. Why? Because lawlessness will abound. That all hell will be unleashed. And God will tell you, keep acting in love. And we'll say, yes, sir, my king. See, it just takes all the arguing right out of it. I want to get them back. Forgive them. Yes, sir, king. See, then I don't have to work through my emotions. I just go ahead and do the right thing. And some of us are piddling with all these deep emotions, and it's actually a trap. Because your emotions are so complex, you would think if they, if they weren't, somebody had already figured out how to fix you by now. There ain't enough letters behind somebody's name to fix us. And I'm not belittling counseling. My goodness, you need it. Go get it. But I'm going to tell you right now, you can miss all that if you'll just go ahead and just be obedient to the thing. And so some of us see the word go, and when we see the word, we look it over before we grab it. But Satan comes when? So you can't think. (laughs) So this is what I've learned with the Lord. When I move and just don't think, and he's like, hey, go talk to that person. When I do that, the glory of heaven comes. When I sit there and wrestle and I don't want to get out of my comfort zone. I'm too selfish about my life. And they're going to think I'm weird. And when I do that, and then like, then I look and they're going, oh, King Jesus, bring them in my path again. And I've prayed that and he's done it before. He, he will bring them back. But it's like, what if we just moved? What if we just said, oh, there's a word before the devil gets it. Hey, can I pray for you? Now I'm in too deep. I can't back out. I can't talk myself out of something God's trying to talk, you know, just do. So we move into this place where he's the king. He's sowing seed all the time. And the good soil's just grabbing it. Here it is. Here it is. Here it is. Here it is. So then, our activity is not busying ourselves with a bunch of church services. Our activity is kingdom life in the world everywhere we go. Paradigm shift, man. But it would position us to be hungry for his word and to just move past anything blocking us. And he'd grow us up. Grow us up. Grow us up. And it would unite us together. And y'all know my heart. Right, you don't feel like if you don't, you don't, but most of you know my heart. Y'all think I'm controlling or manipulative? I don't think I am. Um, But for some of you, I'm your preacher and I'm not your pastor. And y'all enjoy when I do this and make a fool of myself, and I enjoy it too, matter of fact, it's pretty fun. But a lot of you make all kinds of crazy decisions without any ever asking any of your covering or any of your leadership. And then I see you going off a cliff, and I just so bad want to just say, but, and it, I'm just a preacher. And the Lord would move us into an army, a family army. 
who's together. We don't argue about our position. We just listen to the order and say, yeah, let's go. Because we know what's in each other enough that we can trust what's in us. That we don't have to second guess the character. We can, even when we don't understand, we just say, all right, King Jesus, we're going. We're going. And everything in our life would be positioned to hear his voice. Like, that's what it's about. It's like, Matt, why don't you drink alcohol? Well, I could. Probably have a beard and still make it to heaven. But you know why I don't? I don't want anything to get that could get in the way and become a thing where I couldn't hear his voice. Yeah, I could watch any kind of thing and by the grace of God, probably be all right. But, but if it dulls my ear to hear the king's heart, yeah, I could be lazy and take a week off from reading the scriptures. if that's where the next word comes forth that my motivation is not to have some squeaky clean life my motivation is to always be in the position to snatch the word before Satan does to snatch my identity before Satan grabs it and isn't it crazy that God throws it out and said, who's going to get it first? We used to play this game. Don't ever play this game. Uh, waver. Uh, I will not be sued because only stuntmen should do this game, okay? So just don't emulate it. I'm just telling you. They called it Fetch the Bacon. Adam Wilkes, you know what I'm talking about. Royal Rangers at Malvern. You were like seventh grade at the time. And they do Royal Rangers. And they would put a bandana in the middle of the floor. And everybody, there was a line on that wall. There's a line on this wall. And everybody had a number. Two people had the same number. And when they would call that number, you had to go and get that bandana before the other person got it. So there were two twos, two ones, two whatever. And so this cruel church leader... And, man, what a show they must have got. And we were so competitive. We were like, man, I'm going to get that bacon. I'm going to fetch that bacon. Uh, we looked like some dog. You know, the bacon strips? We looked like that dog. We didn't even know it. It was right into their plan. And they would call the number. And it was on a slippery floor. And people would run as fast as they could. And you know when you go down to bend down to get something, what's the first thing that goes for? It was like, it should just be called headbutt contest. And they would fly across there, and it would just sound like two coconuts. I got the bacon. Like, oh, all right. You got the bandana. Let's give him a hand clap, you know. And he's like, unconscious and like, this is before kids got so soft. I'm just telling you. Way before all that. And we would do it. And you got a number and the devil's got a number. And you both got your back against the wall. And it's who's going to fetch the word. Who's going to fetch the destiny first? Because Satan's fast. He'll do it immediately. So as soon as I hear, I cannot hesitate. I've got to run as fast as I can, even if it means me busting my head wide open, even if it means me getting hurt, even if it means I'm going to suffer along the way. I've got to get to that word before the devil so that I can sow it in good soil and operate in 30, 60, or 100-fold lifestyle, sold out to King Jesus. Now, here's the problem. If your mind ain't made up, You'll hesitate. Come on now. <laughs> Come on now. We hesitate. I'm trying, Karen. Chill out. 
Come on now. She processes just a little bit behind everybody else and kind of. But see, when you're family, you can act like this. You can have fun and talk about deep truth. Like this is, this is what God's trying to show us. Um, but if your mind's not made up that he's king and that he'll say something crazy and you'll. Now let me call somebody. Hey, I got to tell you about this situation. I got to tell you. Oh, you think that was the Lord? Oh, okay, cool. Uh, uh. Hmm, okay. And our cycle becomes kind of creating a constituency around us. And it's great to have friends to talk to and stuff. But the word I'm talking about can only come from the king's lips to you personally. And, man, when God speaks, you just got to get it. You got to grab it. You got to go with it. And because God's bringing us into a living reality. Every time Jesus talks about the church and what it's like, he only uses living things. Church is like garden. That sounds familiar. Church is like a marriage, a wedding. Church is like a body fitted together and unified. See what I'm saying? All living, breathing realities. That church is life. It's supposed to be. Life. Fitted and joined together in such a beautiful way that only God can do it. That only he could get the glory for it. And it's what he's moving it to us. So it was crazy. Um, so... So I called my friend who asked me that, and I said, I'm not going to argue or even tell you this backstory. I'm just going to say yes. The moment I said that, I get another phone call from a young lady that was in my youth group that I hadn't talked to in a while. I don't even know when. And they called me up and said, um, just make an idle chit-chat. And they said, um, did you hear that my dad died. I was like, no, I didn't know. I said, yeah. Do you know what that was in those uncertain terms? Hey, will you be my father? <laughs> I mean, oh, I mean, it's just like, God, what are you? but he couldn't do it. So I said, yes, I'll do it. And I don't know what it looks like. I don't even know anything about what I'm talking about. Um, but, I mean, it's just like, all right, let's go. Maybe he'll show us along the way. But my job's not to figure it out. It's just to say yes. Yeah. So then I get a call uh, from a lady who was driving to... Uh, driving somewhere and said, man, God will not let me, this was this morning, God will not let me leave you, Leave. i got to share this, God put this on my heart. And, um, and uh, called me up and messaged me, and messaged me as well, but called up and said, I just got to tell you, God will not leave me alone, but I'm going to go ahead and call it, tell you. And I got to tell you what he put on my heart. And she said, you're battling insecurities about Samaria. And I'm just like, Lord, you're battling insecurities about Samaria's. And the Lord wants you to know that he's got your back. And he's got you covered and you're covered in his righteousness. 
and that you don't have to worry about being exposed. So let's think about it. A garden. What was the issue in the garden? (laughs) And then what did God do? He made clothes. Now watch this. When God come to the garden, he didn't criticize them for being naked. He made them that way. Do you know when he criticized them? Who told you you were naked? What other word or seed did you sow into your heart that was contrary to mine? And so he covers Adam and Eve, not for himself, but to cover their insecurity enough where they wouldn't be afraid to go back in and say, God, help me. So Jesus gives you righteousness. You know why he gives you righteousness? Not so you can parade around and act righteous. He gives you righteousness. Come up here, Kev. This is a good man right here. Turn around here. So God, in all our failures and whatever, he knows we'd be very hesitant to come near. So God gives us his own righteousness so that we can become the righteousness of God so that we would keep coming in so that he could keep talking to us. But he doesn't do it for himself because he knows what we are. (laughs) He does it for us to give us the assurance that we'll go to the throne room of grace boldly and confidently that we would keep going and keep going and keep going and keep going where we could stay in the garden. Where we could stay in the garden and keep cultivating his word and what he's trying to do in our life. Does that make sense? I want thanks, Kip. Um, so when God gives you a word, it's the DNA of Jesus. He's speaking into you. It's the DNA of Jesus. He's trying to say, I'm trying to grow a family here. Can you help me be fruitful and multiply here? Or you still want to argue about how bad you are and argue about what so-and-so did to you? Be fruitful and multiply. That's where I want to be. <laughs> That's where I want to be. Except not in my house. I, I'm, I, think, I'm, I think I'm done. <laughs> I think I'm done with that. I want to like win God's kingdom and make it bigger at this point. But who knows? The Lord works in mysterious ways. Um, now that it's good and awkward, let's just call it quits. Let's do it. Let's end it like this. Would you stand to your feet? And I want you just to ask the Lord, Lord, what do you think about me? And just spend a time just hearing his voice. Practicing his presence. Practicing an ear to hear. And whatever he says, just say yes. Say yes and say it back to him. Father, what do you think about us? These altars are open if you want to come. Jesus.
just hear him saying over our body that that we are the pearl of great price that he sold it all to buy. (laughs) That when he bought us, he didn't wince for the cost. And his heart was that there's nothing I wouldn't pay for them. There's nothing I won't give for them. saying you're my treasure (laughs) he's not disappointed he's not disappointed he's not disappointed he's not disappointed so don't be disappointed Thanks for tuning in. Our hope is that these messages will help you on your journey of discovering who Christ is and who you are in Him. You can learn more about our ministry at lvahs.org or follow us on Instagram at lakeview.hs.